Specialty Story, session number 35. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here for this podcast, as well as many others on the MedEd Media Network. If you are a medical student and you know lots of pre-meds, because we all do, I think, (laughs) then I would love for you to recommend the Pre-Med Years podcast to your pre-med friends as you are in medical school and they want to be where you are. You can recommend the pre-med years. Just send them to mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. Today, I have a great episode for you today, learning all about pediatric ophthalmology. I have Dr. Chris Fecarata on to talk about his role, his life as a pediatric ophthalmologist in private practice now for five years. I started the conversation with Dr. Fecarata about why he ended up choosing pediatric ophthalmology. I didn't know until fairly late in the game. I I figured out that I wanted to do ophthalmology probably at the beginning of my fourth year. Um, I I, I always knew I wanted to do kids, so I went into medical school thinking I would be a pediatrician of some sort, Um, but I didn't know exactly what. And uh, I discovered as I went along that I um, really liked surgery more than I, uh, I thought I was going to, and I discovered ophthalmology because a, a friend of mine had some family members that were uh, in ophthalmology, and I talked to them about it, and I always thought that it was a, an interesting field, and so I put two and two together, and I said, oh, maybe I could do pediatric ophthalmology, and I shattered a pediatric ophthalmologist and uh, went into ophthalmology residency thinking that's probably what I would do, and I stuck with it. What was it about shadowing the pediatric ophthalmologist that that kind of said, "Oh yeah, this is really cool. This is what I want to do." Um, well, I, I always I like the eye a lot. The eye is a very fascinating organ. It's a lot more complex than than people think. Um, it uh, it has very interesting, uh, cool, intricate surgery at a very small level. I liked the very small surgery. Um, I really liked the uh, the outpatient environment. I was not a huge fan of doing inpatient work, and so it uh, it fit all of all of those things for me very very well. Um, it it also affords a reasonable lifestyle. Um, there aren't that many emergencies in it, and and you can really make a big difference in in children's quality of life by improving their vision, and uh, all those things are really what appeal to me. What traits do you think lead to being a good pediatric ophthalmologist? I think the most important thing would be to uh, enjoy working with children. Um, it, it, it's a very challenging field because children are, it's not, not the easiest thing to uh, convince them that it's okay to examine their eyes. Um, so you have to be able to work with them, be very patient um, and, uh, and, and have a very good rapport in order to get what you need done. So I think that's the most important thing to be able to work well with children and to, uh, and to enjoy it too. If you don't enjoy it, then you're, you're, you're not going to be good at it. So I think those are the most important things. Um, 
other than that, I think it's important to be very detail oriented. Um, in all medicine, that's important, but I think especially for ophthalmology, cause it's a very, very small, um, organ that we deal with and, um, it, it's, it's fairly data driven. And, um, so I think being detail oriented is, is important in the field as well. Um, and, uh, th I think those are probably two, the two most important, uh, qualities that I, I think make for good pediatric ophthalmologist. And being a surgical subspecialty and being such an intricate organ in the body, is that something that a student should think about, whether they have that fine motor detail, or is that something uh, that you learn as you go through your training? Um, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think there are definitely people who have a more natural ability to do surgery, especially small surgery, but I don't think that this is not something that can be learned. Um, I, I think that it's uh, very possible to to learn it, and it's not something you need superhuman uh, dexterity for. I think someone with normal dexterity can do it with dedication and practice. So um, I, I think there are varying levels of, of natural ability, just like with anything else. And you know, there are occasional people who find that they just really are not cut out to do surgery. Um, but that's that's rare. Most people can learn it, and they do just fine. What types of patients are you treating? Um, I treat mostly children with strabismus or crossed eye, lazy eye, uh, amblyopia. Those are the bread and butters of pediatric ophthalmology, um, nasolacrimal duct obstruction. Um, so I see all age ranges. I see uh, premature babies who have uh, retinopathy of prematurity. Um, all the way up to the young children who have strabismus and amblyopia and need classes, um, to teenagers who uh, have uh, or continuing their their eye care, and um, I also actually treat adult strabismus. Um, pediatric ophthalmologists also generally treat adults with strabismus from a variety of causes as well. So I treat all age ranges, uh, although it's mostly children. As a private practice doc, describe a typical day. Um, I would say I get to the office between 8 and 8.30, and I see patients through the day. Um, I, I don't typically take a, f a full lunch. Sometimes I can get a lunch, but um, often not. Um, but I, I can usually sneak food in in between patients. And um, I'm generally done between 4 and 5. And um, I do take call, but call is generally not uh, very demanding. There are eye emergencies, but there's not that many of them. and um, Usually, most things can be triaged and then seen the next day. So, uh, it affords a reasonable life. What would be an eye emergency where you'd have to go in? Um, and an injury where the eye is ruptured. So, it's called a ruptured globe. If the eye is cut and the contents of the eye are are, are exposed, that's um, that's an emergency. Um, that usually needs to be repaired that night, uh, surgically. Um, another eye emergency would be a, um, a, a retrobulbar hemorrhage. So f from a, uh, an orbit fracture or a trauma to the eye, um, if there's bleeding behind the eye and in the orbit, it can cause a compartment syndrome that can compress the optic nerve. And so that, uh, needs to be decompressed. And that's, um, really, uh, that's, uh, another emergency, um, Angle closure glaucoma, I would say, is another one, but that doesn't happen in children, really. So it's not a pediatrics problem, but in ophthalmology, it's one of the other few um, emergencies. But uh, 
you know that that's that's really it. There's really not much else that uh, that needs to be seen emergently. So most things can be pushed off till the next day. For for you specifically, and this is very person specific, but you're in private practice now. You do have some academic background as well. What was the decision for you to move to private practice and get out of academics? Um, it, for me, it was it was more of a um, a, a personal decision. So I, I got offered. Uh, the opportunity to work in this practice um, by a friend of mine who owns the practice, uh, graduated the residency with him. And uh, my wife is also an ophthalmologist too, and he had the job available for for both of us. So um, it was uh, was more of a personal decision than anything against academics. I think both academics and private practice have upsides and downsides. Okay, very cool. You as a surgeon are seeing patients in an outpatient setting, most of the time, as most surgeons are, what percentage do you think of patients that you're seeing um, in the outpatient setting are you actually taking to the operating room? Um, a, a small percentage, 10 to 15%. Uh, most of the patients are not surgical um, in pediatric ophthalmology. In general ophthalmology or adult ophthalmology, that's not true. Um, there's a very high percentage of surgical patients there because adults mostly are there for cataract surgery and Pretty much everybody, if they live long enough, gets a cataract and needs surgery. So, the um, the the you know, the volume of surgery for pediatric ophthalmology is less than general ophthalmology. Okay, and you've already talked a couple times about kind of work life balance, and you think pediatric ophthalmology provides that for you? Yeah, I, yes, absolutely. I, I think it's it's one of the most ideal fields for that. Um, if you like surgery and you like children and, uh, you know, you want a, a reasonable life, I, I think it's a great choice. There's also a big need for them. There's not that many pediatric ophthalmologists. So okay. um, it's, it's uh, it, pretty easy to find a job and uh, it's very rewarding. What's the, the training path to, to get to a licensed, ready to work pediatric ophthalmologist? Um, so you have to do an ophthalmology residency. So that usually entails doing uh, an intern year. Most people do a transitional year, but you can also do a, a medicine year or um, a, some programs will let you do a pediatrics year if you want to specifically do pediatrics. But you can do you can do any of those. Then you have to do ophthalmology residency, which is three years, and then um, a fellowship in pediatric ophthalmology and strabismus, which is one year after uh, the ophthalmology residency. So it's five years after. Uh, medical school graduation. Okay, so not too terribly long. Is, no, it's not as bad as other surgical fields. Yeah, is is matching competitive for pediatric opto? Um, ophthalmology is competitive to match in out of medical school, but pediatrics is um, pretty easy to get a fellowship in. It's um, it's not a very popular fellowship, and so yeah, there's open spots usually, and most people can get a spot if they want it. I'm going to assume that it, it might not be popular because of what you mentioned as far as surgical load. Is is that why you think maybe? Because it's less surgery? Um, yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. There's a couple reasons why it's not as popular. One, I, I don't think most ophthalmologists go into ophthalmology uh, looking to deal with children. I, I think I, I was an exception, but most are not that thrilled about seeing children and didn't go into it for that reason. Um so that's an you know, one strike off the you know off the bat right away. Um, children are are much more difficult to examine than adults, and so it's challenging. And so I, I think a lot of people are intimidated by it or um, don't want to deal with the hassle of, of examining a child. So that's another reason. Um, 
it also the uh, it also pays less uh, a lot of times than general ophthalmology um, for a variety of reasons. The one which you mentioned already is that there's less surgery uh, just because the field is is less surgical, um, and um, a lot of children are on Medicaid, and so the um, the reimbursement for pediatric ophthalmology is not as strong as for general ophthalmology. So I think all those things uh, discourage people from choosing it. Um, but if you really, if you like children and, uh, you know, that's what you want to do, then, uh, I, I think that it's a great field to choose. And, and I would, I would still encourage anyone to, to do it who likes, likes kids. What should a student be doing to be competitive for optho? And I guess for pediatric optho, it's not that competitive. And you specifically mentioned that, that you didn't realize optho until later in the game, which I, I would assume is harder because optho is so much uh, harder to, uh, to match in. Yeah, I, I think like, like all the competitive fields, the most important thing to do is, is do well in your classes. Um, the next most important thing would be to do well on U- USMLEs. I think those are the two most important things. And then um, after that, I, I really think that it's your letters of recommendation that, that get you in the door to an interview and then having a good interview where you, um, where you, where you're likable and people can see you know, working with you for three years. I think those are the really the important things. Um, yeah, things like research and that stuff that helps, but it, it it doesn't. I don't think it really makes or breaks anybody. I think it's really you get your foot in the door by you know your academics and your letters of recommendation, and then it, your interview is really what's what what um, what seals the deal. How important was the sub I when you were going through? Um, I, I, I mean, I matched at a good, a very good program and I didn't do any sub eyes. So I, I didn't feel like it was crucial, but if there's one place that, you know, that anyone has their heart set on, I don't think it's a bad idea to, you know, make yourself known by going there and doing a sub eye. Um, but you better make a good impression because if you go there and you don't, then, you, you've pretty much killed your chances of going there. So more harm than good. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you better make a, a fan, you better make a, you know, an A plus impression or yeah. else it, you actually probably hurt yourself. As a, an MD practicing in the field, do you see any negative bias towards DOs that are trying to be pediatric ophthalmologists? Um, I, I think it's challenging for a DO to get an ophthalmology residency, but it's not, um, it's not impossible. There are definitely DOs in ophthalmology, there are specific DO ophthalmology residencies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's definitely possible. And um, once you're in ophthalmology, getting a pediatrics fellowship is, is like I said, is not hard at all. So if, if you were a DO and you got into ophthalmology residency, that's the hard part. After that, you can do pediatrics if you want, no problem. Okay. Once you're a pediatric ophthalmologist, are there any other opportunities to subspecialize? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there are. Um, you can do a second fellowship. Most most people don't do that, but it's it's if you want to be very academic and you want to be the world expert on pediatric glaucoma, you can do a second fellowship in in glaucoma and and do that. Um, you could do neuro ophthalmology and do pediatric neuro ophthalmology. There's only f- about four or five of those in the country, but um, if you have that, that that will help you out in, in as far as finding jobs and 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 being an academic. Um, so there are, you can subspecialize within pediatric ophthalmology, but uh, the vast majority don't. Okay. What other specialties do you work the closest with? 
Um, I would say we often speak with um, pediatric ENT, uh, pediatric rheumatology, um, and neurology, pediatric neurology. I would say those are the three that we're most um, in contact with. Okay. I'm sure pediatrics is up there as well, obviously referring yes, to... Yes, yes. The, the general pediatricians yeah. also, who, who usually are the referral source for mm-hmm. our patients. For the future pediatrician that's listening to this, and trying to get an idea of what a, a pediatric ophthalmologist does, what would you say, or what do you say to pediatricians to to help them when they're referring patients to you to, to make your job a little bit easier and, and help provide more for the patient? You know, as, as much uh, as much history as possible always always helps, um, and I think I think most pediatricians already know to do that, and, and so I haven't had really too much of a problem with that. I, I don't think that most non-ophthalmologists are comfortable with the eye, and so I would encourage them to refer to pediatric ophthalmology if they're at all concerned about anything. It's better better safe than sorry, and we're happy to see any patient anytime. So they should send it if they're if if they're uncomfortable, and and you'll let us uh, let us help. Any go-to resource for? the primary care provider to to learn more about the eye that you would recommend um well a, a good office manual is the wills eye manual it's uh, w-i-l-l-s it's um the most common manual of of ophthalmology out there and most eye providers have it in their office and you can look up the different uh diagnoses and uh, it's a you know a very good manual of how how to treat them and, and when what to use, when to follow up and differential diagnosis and what test to order. And so um, I would recommend that everybody have that book in their office that they can use as a reference for, uh, for anything they want to look up about eyes. Okay. As a pediatric ophthalmologist, are there any special opportunities outside of the office for you? Um, well, what, uh, can you give me an example of what you mean? Well, for instance, uh, an emergency medicine doc once said because they see kind of everything that it leads into hospital administration a little bit easier because they kind of know the, the rest of the hospital pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say there's that many opportunities like that specifically for pediatric ophthalmology. Um, but, you know, if you're going to be an academic pediatric ophthalmologist, there's always um, a, you know good pathways to do to be a chairman there's lots of research that you can do in pediatric ophthalmology so you know the, there's there's uh, there's good opportunities there but i wouldn't say there's anything else specifically what do you know now about pediatric ophthalmology that you wish you knew when you went into your training i was discouraged from pediatric ophthalmology by other ophthalmologists who you know said that the pay wasn't very good and um you know, and while it may be true that generally we make a little less than general ophthalmologists, I, I really wouldn't say that it's a reason not to do the field because we get paid, I, I feel it's pretty reasonable. So um, I think I'd go back and tell myself not to worry about that. If you like kids, then I don't, I don't, I think that you should go ahead and do it and not worry about the money because the, the amount that you get paid is, is pretty reasonable. So I, I don't think that that should be too much of a consideration. What do you like the most about being a pediatric ophthalmologist? Uh, playing with the kids every day—it's it's a lot of fun. They're, they're adorable. There's every day they say something that makes me smile or laugh, and that that you know makes the whole day worth it. What do you like the least? 
Um, you know, the, the small, the five to 10% of children who are very difficult to deal with, and I have to pry their eye open to get an eye exam. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of ophthalmology, whether it's new medications, new technologies, or anything like that? Uh, yeah, there's some interesting things that are on the horizon. So um, there is a, a recent research has been focused on treating amblyopia with a certain type of iPad game that encourages stereopsis and using both eyes together to treat amblyopia. And so that's an exciting uh, development in our field that I'll be awaiting to see the results. Um, also, uh, retinopathy of prematurity is, is, is a disease that we commonly encounter, and there are uh, some new treatment options in the last five years or so for that that uh, we're awaiting really good results from and I think most people are excited about. And, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot coming around the, the, the corner. I think ophthalmology is a very exciting field for, uh, technology and innovations. And, um, it's, uh, there's always new stuff going on. It's a very, very rapidly moving and progressing field. If you had to do it all over again, would you still choose pediatric opto? Yeah. In a heartbeat. It's a great field. What last words of wisdom do you have as we wrap up here for a student who, Maybe interested in pediatrics, maybe interested in some surgical fields, maybe doesn't know anything in the world what they yeah. want to do. What, what do you what do you tell that lost medical student out there? Um, don't jump into making a decision. Uh, take take time, do rotations, and uh, explore as much as you can before making a decision. Because once it's made, you can't really change it. It's 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 difficult. All right, there you have it. Pediatric ophthalmology in a private practice setting with somebody who's had some academic experience as well. I hope that was informational for you. If you are thinking about pediatric ophthalmology or any pediatric subspecialty for surgery, it gives you an idea of what is out there for you. If you have any recommendations for specialties that we haven't covered yet, and there are tons, but if you know somebody that you would like to hear on this podcast, go ahead and send them to me. You can just shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. We'll see you again next week here at Specialty Stories and MedEd Media.